Welcome to the Forging Honor Podcast. I'm Jonathan George. And I'm Benjamin Jones. Here at The Forge, we explore what it means to live as Christian men. Along the way, we'll be doing weekly challenges to build character through action. We are by no means experts, just two young Christian men trying to make sense of a wild world. That's right. We do our best to learn and hope you'll join us on the journey. And if you want to get directly involved, go to forginghonor.com to find information on how to join our community. This is episode 21, The Art of the Craft. All right. Uh, On to the challenge wrap-up. Challenges last for 10 days. That's Monday through Friday for two weeks. There are simple daily tasks to grow us as men. This previous challenge was practice your craft for 15 minutes each day. So what did we mean by craft, banjo? By craft, we, we basically meant anything. Uh, oh, I had a really good definition. I've lost it. Basically, it was, it was anything where you were, where you were uh, outside of work, so it wasn't a work-related activity, where you were uh, honing, honing your talent, we might say, particularly in a creative way, creative or productive way. Um, so I think here we were, we're mostly looking towards artistic things, whether that be writing or music or, uh, art, um, woodworking. Yeah. Artistic things, but I mean, they could be manual, like woodworking would fit into that category. I did not. Yeah. But as opposed to like exercise. Right. I mean, um, so yeah, but it was, it's the kind of thing where like, well, you know, what, what are the things that you're paying attention to? It's, you know, it's taking time. Uh, it put it this way, working on your craft is taking time to achieve excellence, to put it succinctly, um, specifically, I think in a creative pursuit. So for me, that was writing and playing guitar JJ for you. That was poetry. Poetry. Well, in theory, we can talk about how we did. So on this challenge, I think this is my worst ever at a solid two out of 10, 20%. Mm, mm. Um, JJ. Banjo, you want, you want to, you want to say how well you did? Well, I mean, I, it wasn't my, it wasn't my best. I had a a seven out of 10. Okay. Seven out of 10, vastly better than two out of 10. That's more than half. One of my things is always like a goal of like, I think 50%, Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, I've done the challenge. I didn't feel like I did the challenge on this one, even though I did produce two small poems, which is fine. Um, (laughs) but I wanted to talk about kind of how we experienced working at a quote unquote artistic craft for 15 minutes a day, because I've never sat down and intentionally thought now I'm going to work on my poetry. It's usually, Oh, that's a cool idea. Let me write that down real quick before I forget it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm in the middle of, of work or school or so whatever it is. Um, I've, and so this was a new experience for me and it just felt so difficult to even muster the energy to go do. Like, I, I don't really? know why. Interesting. Did you experience, I mean, you did seven out of 10 days. Like, like did you experience that at all? No. Well, so, uh, I mean, it's always, it's always like, oh, this is going to be tough. Um, but for me, the thing that I've, I've learned is, uh, that one of the reasons I came up with this idea, I've done this one for a while now, especially when I am working on a larger writing project just for fun. Um, all my, my habit that I set is all right for, for this week or for this month, I'm going to set aside 15 minutes 
where I have to write. Um, and I don't have to write well, but I have to write for 15 minutes and I can only write for 15 minutes. Um, in other words, I can't like use this 15 minutes to say, I'm going to go write and then like hop onto YouTube real fast. Um, it's gotta be only, I can either write for 15 minutes or I can sit and stare blankly at the wall. Those are my two options. Um, and I got that from just a button, like studying a whole bunch of different writers that I really admire. All of them said the thing that they did in order to keep, keep at their craft was set aside time for them. It might be like an hour. It might be two hours, but where they just, they are there at the computer, at the typewriter with pen and paper, whatever. And they're just taking that time to write. And I thought, okay, so that seems like that's a, a skill that you need to develop. Um, I think it's, it's one of, uh, it's either Gilbert or Sullivan from the Gilbert and Sullivan, you know, writing duo, um, said that if I, if I waited around for inspiration, I never would have written anything. Um, and so I, I, I take that to heart. Um, cause that's how I am. I think if, for me, it's not so much about like, Oh, I had this idea and I need to get it down. It's like, Oh, I have this big idea and it's going to take me three weeks to really nail it. And I need to make sure that I'm dedicated enough to sit down and not just dream it, but do it, you know? Right. Right. Um, but you know, I think you and I probably come to writing in a different way. Probably you're a little bit more poetry oriented than I am. I'm a little bit more prose oriented. That's true. I I've written a short story or two and uh, you know, I've, I've taken my time on that. And when I've really taken the time, you know, I'll spend like my, as my wife is aware, you know, a week or two, just that's all I'm thinking about, all I'm talking about until it's done. And then, okay, yeah. now move on. I think one one key difference I'm noticing is every single person you've mentioned, you know, their profession was writing. Like that was their right. job. Yeah. And and so I wonder how much of that is they are built having to build in the discipline of, of a job, of work into mm-hmm. an into an unstructured type of work. Right. There's no right. There's no one out there saying, All right, you're gonna come in at eight o'clock in the morning and you're gonna start writing and then you're gonna have your lunch break and then you're gonna be you know, there's no one doing that for you. Yeah, no time clock. Right? Versus for me. Like I have the hours I need to be putting in in my job, mm-hmm. regardless of what I'm doing, right? So adding the extra discipline, any extra disciplines in my life are layered on top of that, right? So you're fitting right. it into you, what you already do. So I wonder if there's some of that going on, but I don't think that's all of it, to be honest. I just, that's a theory I have. I think I think the other piece of it is, you know, there's there's something about if if you're attempting to force yourself to work on something artistic, like that's one of the, at least for me, it almost feels like it kind of blocks it for a little bit at first. Like I, I definitely felt like at the end of that 15 minutes, I'd accomplish something. Yeah. But it it took time. Like, I mean, it's really not that long. 15 minutes, that's not long at all. But like no, the first 10 minutes is like, uh, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And for me, the for me, the 15 minutes is usually, and this happened a couple of times this week, 15 minutes is usually not, okay, I'm only going to write for this 15 minutes. Usually the 15 minutes is just enough time for me to start getting an idea of where I'm going to go. And then I usually write for an hour. Right, right. And so it's a nice little launch pad into, into where I want to go. Um, but then the, the nice exit exit ramp is okay today is just a bet like i had one or two days this week where it was like 
I'm just, I am a terrible writer today and it's not coming and I'm just going to take my 15 minutes and leave. And that's, that'll be it. Um, but then I think there's a lot of value in saying, okay, today was not my 15 minutes. Tomorrow might be though. Like I, I get to come right. back, I get to take another swing. Um, and I get to rework whatever it is that I didn't write today. Um, but I think there's a, a misconception about the arts or the humanities mm. where a, that's a waste of time and, and B that it's um, just totally this, like from, from the heart inspiration moment by moment thing, you know? Um, and as a writer, I feel very deeply that, that writing is, a, writing is definitely hard work. Um, it's not manual work, but it is hard work. Um, and it's it's that word, I mean, uh, Robert Frost talks about poetry is a momentary stay against confusion, uh, which I've loved. It's just this, 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 this tiny making order out of chaos uh, and, and, and building this little like foxhole against, against the world, which I think is, I think it's just great. Sure. Um, but it's hard work to do that. Um, and I think most people see someone pursuing an artistic endeavor and mm -hmm. they think, oh, he's, he's just wasting time, you know? It depends on what you mean by that. What's funny is. Yeah. You got a little smirk in the middle of that. Well, yeah. Talk. So yeah. I, I grew up in the Nashville region. There's a lot of musical artists here. Right. Um, I know my, uh, a fair number of writers cause um, there's a school here, a liberal arts school, and then also a small uh, writer's room that happens here pretty regularly. Um, but I know a lot of the folks that are there. What you're saying, kind of justifying what you're doing a little bit, is the same <laughs> thing they say. Like, it's actually yeah. hard work, like it's uh -huh. worth it, et cetera, et cetera. And I hear that from the people that are trying to do it full time. I don't right. hear that from the hobbyists like myself. Like, personally, I think poetry is great. I agree 100%. Like what Robert Frost is saying, that's a beautiful thing. I don't disagree with what you're saying. I'm saying I think writers tell themselves this. Like they're trying to justify it to themselves more than other people are actually telling them that. Does that make sense? Like I I don't I don't see people in my workplace. See, this is exactly the kind of Philistines that we're dealing with on it. Yeah, this is you're the kind of person we're trying to fight out here. <laughs> you're you're fighting yourself, Banjo. I that's my point. Is like everything you said is stuff I agree with. Like I think yeah. writing is a worthwhile pursuit. I think it's actually difficult, et cetera, et cetera. I never hear that from people that aren't trying to do this full time. Anyone oh, so you're saying you're you're saying we we over the lady doth protest too much, methinks. A little bit. Yeah. Little it's bit. it's like <laughs> Because I know plenty of people in the full-time, um, the the non-artistic workforce, you could say. Sure, yeah. Who they're, they they love, they they write um, or they, they do music for a hobby. It's all hobby stuff and they love it. They never try to justify it. And they really look up to the people that are able to do it full-time, mm -hmm. right? It's like, wow, that's something I could never do. That's pretty cool, right? There's yeah. there's none of this. Well, that's, you know, that there's... That character, the person who's like, oh, that's not a real job, exists in television written by writers, right? Like, that, well, it doesn't, I have not found that person in I, the workforce. I think it, I think it's less in like the workforce. It, it comes in like this, like the smaller you go, 
you know, because family cares about you. Family loves you. And so when they, okay. when I you, see. Like they want you to be gainfully employed and make money. Right. right. And, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like that's, yeah. Okay. So they're right. And so the, I think see, that's writers, a different question though. I think that's, that's not like a, is this worthwhile? That's a banjo. You have a wife you have to support. Well, yes. I, you know, that's, I am aware. So there's, uh, there's a different question going on there. No, but yeah, I mean, you're right. But on the, on the, to your, I guess maybe to your point, uh, if you're going to make, and, and we should probably backpedal just a second to say that the point of this exercise, this, this habit is not to become a professional in your craft. Right, right. It's just practice. Just as it happens, I would like to be a professional in my craft. Um, so there's that. Uh, so this may not be useful or worthwhile to, to other folks, but maybe we'll just dive down this rabbit hole anyway. Um, I think as someone who wants to be a writer full time, it's tempting to say, okay, I, you know, like, uh, other, other professions, you, you go to college and then you kind of like, are, are kind of given the path forward. Like, okay, go, go work this small unit and then be like, build your way up, you know, kind of a thing until you rule the company. Right. There's, there's a clear set of check boxes. Right. Um, with writing, it's like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe there's check boxes. Maybe it's like, write your first short story, get published, work on your novel, get published. Right. There are definitely milestones, but there's yeah. no one imposing that on you. Yeah. And then it's also not like, um, it's not like a quota. Like, right, right. Like, for example, like if I write, I've written a lot of short stories. None mm -hmm. of them have ever been published. Like I have to keep writing until one gets published. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's no like window on when that can happen. Do you know what I mean? Um, and so right. as a, as someone who wants to be a full-time writer, I spend most of my time thinking about, okay, if I'm going to get better at this craft, and I think writers do need to like, young writers, I think need to push themselves into thinking of writing as a craft because otherwise you think it's, Oh, I need to be inspired and then you won't work on it. And then you won't get better at the right craft element because, and this is where I think the writers that you probably hear from, uh, who are like me, this is probably what they mean. Like, I think writers have this tendency to think like, well, once I get the, this idea, once I like crack the code on like what the new idea is, mm -hmm. Then I then I will be Hemingway. Then I will become. Faulkner. I mean that that does exist in the business world for the entrepreneurial types mm -hmm. or the people that are trying to come up with the next app or whatever it is. Right, right. They keep coding. They keep trying. They keep coming up with new business ideas. And they're like, as soon as I find the right thing, right, rather yeah. than yeah, just working at it and you, getting better at coding. And and it's a little. I mean, it's always the little things. Like and and I think this is what I love about being someone who like works on their craft um, is that you start, I think when you have, when you work hard at your craft, you start to see the world in a new way because you start to see things like, you know, like if I'm looking at a sentence, I'm like, Oh wow. The way that they used uh, punctuation here is really unique. I've never, I've never seen that before. Um, or, Oh, like, he's using this point of view and this perspective and he's using this voice. How did he like, how did he pull that off? Right. And then instead of just kind of like passively receiving the information, I'm like trying to diagnose it and trying to like, it's like I feel like a mechanic, like I'm taking the car apart and I'm putting back together and I get to see the world in that kind of like 3d vision and then put it back together. 
And I think everybody can do that with whatever it is that they're passionate about. You know, I think people who are artists, I'm really, if I could paint, I wouldn't write, um, but I can't paint. So I write. Yeah. But you um, could become a better painter. Like that's the thing. Everything is open to anyone. Like, yeah, well, there's some late. level already, of talent some people need, but I've already chosen what I'm going to love. Exactly. You're going to, you're going to delve into it. Yeah. Um, but right. Like if you, then you see other art or even you see, I think the world in general and you think, Oh, like, okay, so how would I shade that? Like, how would I color that? Like when I'm driving down the highway and I like see a tree, I think like, okay, so how, how would I describe that tree? What are the words that I would use? What's the order that I would put those words in? You know, when I make it a poem, when I make it a, uh, a paragraph, like what, what I choose prose, all of these things. I don't know. Did you have any of those? Is there a particular way maybe you see the world as a coder or oh yeah, any of your I, other crafts? No, I, I, I definitely see what you're saying as far as like as you, as you delve deeper. I think there's a key difference in that most of my crafts, so-called, are simply hobbies that I like to work on, right? One of the crafts that had, became more than a hobby, became a job, is coding. Mm-hmm. Um, and that definitely, as I have delved into the world of not just coding, but computer science, which technically is not coding. Computer science is its own thing that happens to include a lot of coding, um, just for the uninformed. Such as myself. The world of computer science definitely opened my eyes to certain types of patterns in, in the world and how things will operate together. And it's it's similar to engineering in terms of the types of problem solving that occurs. It's not truly, quote unquote, engineering and like the degree form, you know, yeah. I'm not a engineer. But the the world of computer science and understanding how things operate or how they could operate is is very fascinating, very interesting. And you see it start popping up everywhere. I mean, especially, you know, there's, we talk about like our brains as computers now, right? It's just right. like, it's the colloquial language that we use. Processing. At one point we talked about them like they were machines because that was the, what was around. Um, so I definitely experienced that. When it comes to things like my, my the hobby ones, it's more, those will inform it a little bit, right? The poetry mm-hmm. of it informs it a little bit, right? Um, and there are definitely moments, there are definitely times in my life where I've experienced that more, I think, because I've been doing it more. Like in college, I was writing a lot more poetry. I haven't written anywhere near as much poetry since college. And I would say my poetry, in my opinion, was better. Like my junior, senior year of college, that's some of my best, my best. Yeah. Because you're working on it. You're developing it. I really was. And I think there was also the fact that I was reading a lot more. Oh, yeah. I was in a lot of classes that were working through some of that. I was in a really fun linguistics class that informed a lot of that. Yeah. And now, you know, I have a very, my, my avenues for interesting things to think about and, and think new things to kind of turn over in my mind. My avenue has really shrunk, right? Mm-hmm. So the opportunities to work on my craft have also been reduced in that regard. Um, that said, I think, I think one of the key differences and what, what I'm hearing us talk about is just that, like, I'm, I'm allowing things to inform my hobbies and my hobbies to inform my, my work versus you are trying to take what could be most people's hobby and turn it into, this is, this is what I'm going to do. 
And that, that requires that extra level of commitment and dedication in a way that, you know, hobby is just a hobby, right? You can pick it up, leave it whenever a lot of people have multiple hobbies. Yeah. Right. And you have other hobbies, like you love movies. You, you're very Mm -hmm. much someone who, you know, everything about this movie, you're, you're all over it. And yeah, you don't, you're not going out there writing, you know, YouTube essays about movies. Like some people make their careers into. Yeah. Right, I thought you could, about doing that. In theory, like that's it'd be fun. It's one option. Yeah. Um the point being though, that's the hobby that's informing the work that you're pursuing. Yeah. Ra- rather than that's the work you're pursuing. So I think I think your it's interesting. Like when when does it go from like maybe maybe it is a craft your whole life, but when does it go from this is my hobby craft to this is my work passion craft? Is that just a decision made in your mind? Um, that's a good question. I mean, to me, it's like, you gotta, one thing you gotta be careful is that is that you, you always keep it to some degree as a craft, like, and not as a, uh, the, I think a lot about Psalm 115, uh, where it says, uh, those, uh, those who make idols become, or those who worship idols become like them. They have eyes, but do not see ears, but do not hear mouths, but do not speak. And I think the temptation, especially with people who, who want to go into creative pursuits where you get paid to do something creative, uh, is you, you can make that your idol and you can especially make being, uh, famous for your pursuit, your idol. And if you, if you do that, then, I mean, in some ways it's, it's the most perfect image of having a mouth, but not being able to speak eyes, but not being able to see where you've lost. If, if you sell your soul creatively where you're like, well, I'm going to make hacky Marvel movies, uh, and, and give up my independent filmmaking, uh, where I was actually like saying there's something. a shot fire at a particular set of people, <laughs> yeah, a particular set of people who I'm sure are not listening to this podcast. So I feel safe. Um, but I'd say it anyway. Um, but you're, you're giving up your, sorry, this is going to wax a little too eloquent for some people's liking, but I'm going to go for it anyway. Uh, there's a particular gift that like the best writers, and I'm talking like the cream of the crop, top of the, top of the heap writers have like, like Brad, uh, you know, Ray Bradbury, um, or Hemingway or Faulkner or Fitzgerald, where there's a sort of prophetic quality where you're able to like see into the heart of a culture um, and see where it's going to go and see like, if this is true of us, this is where this is, this is heading and we need to pay attention. And and those books or those works of art or those movies or whatever, those are like really essential, I think, to a culture because it wakes people up. But if instead of saying, okay, this is what the heart of our culture is saying, this is, this is the heart of where we're going. If you, if you sacrifice your craft and instead of making Michelangelo, you make a McDonald's movie ad, then you lose your ability to diagnose the culture, critique the culture, really see the culture. And instead you just become a product of your culture. If that makes any sense. Did I ramble way too far? No, no, it makes sense. I'm, I'm just thinking through some of what you're saying there. So I think we because don't Because you kind of you kind of 
answered multiple, multiple questions in that, but yes. Yeah. You kind of go from, um, you, I guess what I'm saying is you have to be careful that, that what you're pursuing is you're still pursuing the, the, the desire for excellence in your craft and not the desire for attention. Cause that's the difference is I'm going to, I'm going to make this, you can, you can do anything with excellence. You can write a comic book with excellence in code with excellence. You can drive a taxi cab with excellence, you know? And I think that's a very like Christian, dare I say, reformed notion uh, is like there, you know, there are no unholy occupations. Um, you know, every occupation can glorify God. Um, and, you know, a plumber has as much ability to glorify God as a pastor, that kind of a thing. Very Calvinist idea. Um, and, and I think if, if in striving for that excellence and striving to glorify God through your work, through your craft, um, I think, I think you can really achieve something that's worthwhile but if if you exchange that ability to glorify god if you exchange that with i'm going to write something perform something create something that's going to get attention or is going to be popular or is going to be you know fill in the blank then then you sacrifice your ability to be excellent you sacrifice your ability to glorify god and inherently that makes the project less worthwhile i would argue that makes sense that makes sense yeah, I definitely, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think that that balance of craft to labor almost. Mm-hmm. And does it stay a craft? I, I mean, I think it can. I, I think it does depend on, like you said, like some people just treat it just like a job. Yeah. Um, but it, it, one thing that stuck with me you said about kind of informing culture, like diagnosing culture and and kind of being the heartbeat of culture. I I always think that's interesting because you've mentioned that before about authors do that. Yeah. And I always wonder, like, do they know they're doing that? Do the best authors know they're doing that or are they just writing because they love what they're writing about? I think it depends on the author. Like I, I think there's, I think there's two kinds of authors and I think both can be good. I think there's one kind of author that says, okay, I see what's going on and I'm going to write about it. Um, I feel like George Orwell might be in that category. Yeah. George Orwell, Aldous Huxley, Ray Bradbury. I would probably put them there. Um, maybe, maybe like Fitzgerald would probably be in that camp. Yeah, I could see that. Steinbeck for sure. Um, and then there are other writers that I think are for lack of a more eloquent turn of phrase are just really tapped into the subconscious of what they're writing uh, of the culture what they're writing for um and i think as a result they may not be thinking intellectually about the issues um but they are tapping in so to speak to a sort of like dream state where they they know or or we should say they they are creative in this way that that really expresses maybe the angst of what's going on mm. in the world. So I think like Stan Lee is a is an example of this, um, where I think Stan Lee, if you look at the comic books that he wrote, I think they or invented 
with with um, Steve Ditko. Um, you know, a character like Spider Man so perfectly fits the pathos, the ethos, the mythos of of an American generation. You know, it that really taps into something. Um, I think it taps into ideas of of nuclear anxiety. I think it taps into questions of what does it mean to be an American. I think it taps into to just kind of like existential existential angst that comes with being a, a 20 year old uh, in America. Like it taps into a lot of things. Um, but I don't think that he was sitting there going, you know, I really need a metaphor for uh, what it's like to be an American male in the midst of uh, nuclear terror in the sixties, you know, like, I think he was just like, Oh, you know, it'd be a great story. This guy mm-hmm. who could climb walls, you know? Um, but at the same time, he works at his craft right. in such a way where it's like, okay, well, if I'm going to write a story about a guy who can climb walls, I'm going to do this excellently. You know? Right. Right. Or well, I think he's like, put the time in, right? Yeah. I mean, how many, how many characters, how many comics did he draw before he figured out Spider-Man? I mean, I don't and, know. And how I don't know enough ideas. about Stan Lee to, to know. I, but that goes to the question of like in general, so mm-hmm. I'm kind of bringing this back around to the question of craft. Like, let's say you're you're a, a woodworker. Yeah. Are you doing it because you love to work with wood? You love to to you know feel the grain and and work with. It? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a woodworker. Or are you doing it because it's it's a full time thing? You know, some people are carpenters. That's separate from woodworking. But like, there are people that are full time woodworkers. Um. Or maybe like with guitar. Like, there's there's the artistic side of it. Like you did you mm-hmm. did some guitar. Um, which is not one you're trying to turn into a full-time gig. No. Like, do you, you treat guitar differently than you do writing, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. Guitar for me is more, um, I'm, I'm extremely, I think I'm getting this right. I'm extremely right brain oriented. So okay. I'm, I'm very like order, 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 order. Everything. I'm pretty sure that's left brain. Is that left brain? I'm right-handed. So, oh yeah, that would make more you're sense. Left brain. I'm left brain. Yeah. Um, uh, and I am not so good with, um, not so good with the music. Um, so, but right brain is typically the creative side. So here you are working on creative pursuits. I know I'm a weird, I'm a, I'm a weird person. Um, yes, you are banjo. Glad you said it. Not me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I get it, I get it. um, yeah, I, I just, I don't do well with like rhythm. I don't do well with, um, the, the particular like precision that is required in music, you know, I love the, the kinds of guitar I love are like blues guitar. Um, good stuff. Like, yeah. Like, like John Mayer, Dire Straits, you know, like I, I want to hear the guitar, like weep, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, which is, it's really fun to listen to, but then it's like, okay, so that's the kind of music that I want to learn how to play. Um, and the thing about that kind of guitar music is it's really really hard to play <laughs> um so i always like like i was like uh you know i'm gonna learn gravity this week and my wife who is an accomplished guitar player oh no <laughs> it's like honey i'm not sure that's the best idea and i was like well i'm just gonna try it I'm just gonna... i've learned two bars i've learned two bars of gravity that is that is it um and but for me it's like okay so if i'm gonna be uh i need to expose myself to a realm that i'm not excellent in 
we're not close to being excellent in, you know what I mean? Like, okay, so, yeah. so that I can keep that muscle open where I'm still growing, where I'm still learning, where I'm still able to say, okay, I'm not good at this yet. How do I get good at this? Um, yeah. Does that make sense? It does. And that might just be part of like in life, you should always have something like that. Something yeah. you're always sort of learning. And maybe poetry is more in that realm for me. Like I've done it a long time, but and I, ha I think I have a few decent poems, but I would not consider myself a poet. Yeah. Right. Um, I think there's also something to finding areas in your life where there is beauty that you do not understand. Mm. Um, and for some people that's writing for some people that's like art. And, but for me, in, in a lot of ways, it's music. It's like, I, I, I love, and I recognize that music is beautiful mm. and I have, in my estimation, I have no way to access the creative outlet for that. It's yeah. like that's that's not it's not the way that my brain works. Um, but I want to be like in touch. I don't want to ignore it. I want to be mm. in touch with it. I want to learn how. I want to learn the beauty of that form. Right. I definitely feel much more at home with something like music over something like paintings. Painting is something like I've I've always wanted a cool collection of paintings. Yeah. But I'm like, I don't even know where to be. Like, I don't know what, what qualifies cool other than I happen to like the look of that. I don't know why I like the look of it. it I yeah. feel like that's kind of what you're talking about a little bit with yeah. music. Because music, I you know, I grew up in a, in a very musical family. So I definitely have a little more of an understanding of like what makes good music and what makes bad music and why, you know, some people sound great and others are like, oh, what's that? Yeah. Um, at any rate. Point being, I think there's there's definitely just kind of being steeped in that, right? If you weren't steeped in that music growing up, then you don't necessarily know that. Like the moment, like when, uh, like you mentioned John Mayer and Dire Straits in the same sentence. So you, you listen to the latest John Mayer album, I assume. Uh, not as much. I, not I've as much. More, yeah, I've like zipped through it. I haven't. Okay, because like, there's, the there's one track on there where the guitar he's playing sounds exactly like Mark Knopfler. Like it's okay. insane. I've uh, literally never heard it was incredible. It made me so happy. I got to go anyway, back and listen to it. Then. Yeah, you do. Uh, the point being like, there's stuff like that where like, those are connections that I'm able to make and I'm able to really enjoy. And I've never thought of that as a craft because I've never had, I've never worked at it. Right. My family works at it and I just kind of sit here. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, they're, they're good at what they do, but you pick it up. I pick it up. And, and I wonder like for you, like you've mentioned before with like movies, like your dad, he's always dropping those hints and references to movies. Yeah. So you kind of pick it up. I, I don't know how many movies my dad has seen. You could probably count the number of movies on a very, 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 very small hand. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, anyway, point being, like I've I've not been steeped in that. Not really till college should I get a wider introduction. Yeah, and I think that there's, you know, it's interesting that you're saying there because I think one of the things about a craft is that it's a, a craft is like a small thing that allows you to interpret the world. And and that's kind of what I'm getting at, like. I didn't practice some of this. Right. You didn't practice some of this. So do oh, you have to practice yeah. your craft? Yeah, you really do. And and but what I what of, I mean by that is like intentionally practice, I guess. Right. You need to you need to hone the skill. You need to hone your ability to interpret. Have you um, had to hone your ability to understand movies though? I did. I had to Oh, uh, interesting. Okay. I really did. I mean, it was it was the kind of thing where my dad would drop hints where he would say, you know, we were we watched The Dark Knight. And, and I was all excited because I was like, I was like, this is an amazing movie. 
And I turned to my dad, who like always knows the philosophy of a movie. And I turned to him and I was like, so what'd you think? Didn't you like it? Wasn't it great? And he was like, yeah, yeah, it was okay. Uh, and I was like, what do you mean? He was like, well, I didn't really care for the altruistic ethic of Batman's, you know, deception there. And I was like, what? Uh, and he I love like, that because that's also that's the same problem that I've heard from other people. Yeah, what yeah. I have with that movie. And so I, I was funny. like, "What do you, what do you mean?" And so he was like, he kind of like broke it down for me, and I was like, "I didn't, I didn't see that. I didn't understand that. I didn't know that." So I was like, "Okay, so how do I, how do I learn this?" And so I just started. I, I went to f- film school online and on you know, just through YouTube, and was just like, "Okay, so what does this shot mean? How does this?" How does this dolly zoom work? What does it mean when you cut between these two things? What's the connection between? And I just would spend like hours doing film study and figuring out, I I would read books on it. And uh, then like I would get to the point where with my dad, we'd be watching a movie and I was like, okay, so this is what I'm seeing. Is that what you're seeing? He'd be like, yeah, I think that's, that seems like a fair read. And then it got to the point I would like watch a movie uh, that my dad would have seen. And this was like later on, at, towards the end of college, I'd watch a movie and my dad would have seen the movie and I'd be like, so, and then I, at the same time, I'm learning about philosophy and I'm learning about these different things kind of going alongside that. And I'd be like, all right, so I'm watching this. I think that this is a representation of, of uh, Derrida, uh, Derrida or, uh, you know, the Hegelian dialectic. And, and my dad's going, okay, I'll take your word for it. Like, it's like this cool moment where it's like, you're, you're starting I, to learn a little more. Yeah. Where you pass. The uh, student becomes the master. <laughs> yeah. No, my dad's much smarter than I am. Um, but anyway, the thing that I've been thinking about with all this is it takes a lot of work to learn to interpret the world in that way. That's just for, for movies. I mean, you could do that same thing with you know mathematics and, and vectors and all that stuff that I don't understand. But, you know, um, in, my, in my classes that I'm teaching now, this, you know, especially like the seventh and eighth grade kids and, and even older, um, but especially the seventh and eighth grade kids. Uh, I've just been realizing like the amount of access that they have to information via the internet and their phones. They have this near infinite amount of information and they have a near zero method of interpretation. Like they really, small children, have been given the keys to the intellectual kingdom um, and have not been taught how to drive. Uh, and it's really cataclysmic, cataclysmically bad. Um, because as soon as they like see something on the internet, they pretty much take it for granted. Like they don't know how to check a source. They don't know how to like check a fallacy. They don't I've know experienced how to- that with friends my age where they'll say something like, you saw that on the same YouTube short I saw. Yeah. And you didn't check the facts. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or it's like they didn't check the facts or, or they didn't really think through the implications of the thought, you know, they didn't really like play it. They don't know how to play a thought out to its logical conclusion, this kind of thing. Um, and it's just reinforced for me. It's like, okay, I, you know, I don't have kids, but when I do have kids, we're willing, it's like, okay, I need to teach my kids how to be able to interpret the world. And that's part of what I'm doing in my English classes is saying, okay, I'm trying to give you the ability to interpret the world. What's a metaphor? How do you break that down? What's a simile? How do you break that down? How does one thing as a symbol stand in for something else? Like these are all parts of my craft that I want to pass on to other people 
because I think it helps them see how the world works. Whereas, you know, your, your craft of coding is, is very like order uh, oriented where it's like, okay, this leads to this, leads to this, leads to this, which is a super helpful logical system to teach somebody. Um, and, and the more that we, it's part of a liberal arts education, right? Cause like even, even with that, we say, you know, you might need, you might not think that you need to know X, Y, Z, but the reason that we teach you this is because it's an important element in learning how to interpret the world. I don't know. No, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure there's much more to be discussed on that. I think there are definitely questions that it would be fun to talk about at some point about can a craft become, can a craft go too far with either labor or obsession of some sort? Oh, yeah. Just watch the movie Whiplash. Oh, I haven't seen that. So. <gasps> You've not seen that? Sorry, Banjo. I, oh, there, no, no, no. no. You, that's not, that's not a 9 out of 10 shot that if you mention a movie, I haven't seen it. That's not a face of uh oh no you like how could you not see that that's a face of oh boy you have not seen that yet that's a that's a treat i get that's, to go watch whiplash now you, okay yes that's Fun. that's that's a great yes I, i'm trying to change that attitude now it's not it's oh my gosh you haven't seen that it's like how have you not seen that yeah. no it's not that it's oh boy you have an opportunity to experience this for the first time that's yeah. great i'm happy that's a cool for you. That, that, that's a good that's a good change of perspective yeah that's a good one very no, good. check that movie out. It's a great breakdown of the of the line between craft and and obsession. Interesting, and well, and I think that's that's one thing where I see people that try to take the arts full time, and I start to think, oh, they're getting a little going a little far with this because I think I I tend to if if I'm guilty of anything when it comes when it relates to the arts, it's I think that yes, everyone should have a hard skill or something that they can be paid to do. And they should also have some kind of artistic endeavor yeah. that they don't need to rely on, but that can continue. And poetry does that for me. You know, it's, it's an artistic right. endeavor that I can fall back on and enjoy, but I'm gainfully employed working on some software, right? So, and I think they inform each other in a, in a healthy way. So when I see someone flipping that, Sometimes I wonder what's their motivation. And I think you mentioned that already. Like, what is that motivation? Are they doing it just for the fame of fortune? Or are they doing right. it because they truly love it? And parsing that out becomes pretty difficult. Well, it's tough because I think on one level, in order to become great at something, you often need to take that plunge into, this is the only limb I'm going to stand on. Because uh, sometimes that's right. the, that's like, think about like stand-up comedians. They're like, nope, they need to go, they need to go out and do that full time. And it may take them years before they're great or before they're recognized or before they're making enough money to pay rent. Um, but it's kind of what you need to do. And it's part of the reason that I didn't go into stand up, you know, uh, is a, stand up also just feels a little, a lot more, uh, I don't know. There's a lot more ego involved in it. I think than even writing <laughs> just because like it's so attached to your face right like it's it's directly you on some level there i think it's it's maybe i don't know i think of standout comedians as a particular branch of writing um, interesting it's more like it's more like performance jazz as opposed to like mm. yeah like performance jazz for writing 
Interesting. That's a different conversation, but I see what you're saying. Yeah. Anyway, all that to say, like, you you need to know your own boundaries, you know. And I think I think there's places for Christians in all of those fields, for Christian men in all of those fields. Um, but but we shouldn't bind the conscience of of any and say, well, you must do it this way. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, you're right on that for sure. I think that's a great place to end this discussion. Yeah. Awesome. On to the next challenge. As a reminder, challenges last for 10 days. That's Monday through Friday for two weeks. They are simple daily tasks to grow us as men. Um, and this this one was my idea, and I've, I've done it before. Uh, it's walk after a meal. Very simple. Walk after two meals if you feel like it. I don't really care. Um, so I was reading something, um, let's see, a couple months ago at this point. I read somewhere online. It was just one of those, you know, there's always all kinds of different fads about walking and running, et cetera, right? And right. I think walking and running are great. I happen to do both. Um, but different people have different reasons for doing them. But I saw one recently. It was like, you should walk after a meal. Like, you don't need to set aside an hour of time to walk. Just walk for 10 minutes after a meal. It's going to help with your digestion, help you feel more awake, especially if it's after lunch and you're going into the afternoon slump of the day, um, for me anyway. Right. And, you know, there's – so just general health and well-being and helping you process your food, and I think it's a good idea. So I tried it uh, over the summer briefly. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'd like to try it again and share it with some other folks. So that's the point of this. Excellent. Any uh, stipulations on length of time for the walk or anything? I like think that? I think just minimum ten minutes. It, I mean, you can go longer. I've gone for as long as twenty after a meal because I was feeling good that day. But um, ten minutes is enough to get in. If you're walking fast, like maybe a half a mile. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're walking a little slower, you know that's still a decent distance, and it's long enough for you to actually get into it. Um, yeah, it definitely helped me not feel tired after after lunches. So you could try varying it, see if you feel better after a breakfast or a lunch or a dinner, just depending on your meal times. Um, and maybe see if other people want to walk with you. Like I, I ended up, my wife would walk with me some days. Um, that was nice. Get some conversation in that we wouldn't have had otherwise. So. Sounds good. Yeah. This is going going to be a fun one. I'm looking forward to it. It's for me, this kind of thing is less intimidating than sitting down and writing poetry, I think because I felt the need to uh, produce something versus this, it's like you're going for a walk and you, you finish the time you're done. Yeah. So get in, get out. It'll be good. Looking forward to it. Great. This has been the Forging Honor podcast. Music and production is by Elliot George. For more information about what we do or to learn how to get involved, visit our website at forginghonor.com. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to like, subscribe, and give us a rating to bring others into the Forging Honor journey. On our website, you'll find information on how to do the challenges alongside us, as well as links to the many resources we mentioned in the show. And we do make a small amount from any purchases you make through our website links, so thank you in advance. Thanks for taking the time with us today. We hope you'll take up the work alongside us and join us in the task of Forging Honor. We'll see you next time.